You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Oh, hey, Friday. It is the Friday Quickie on the number one wedding podcast. I'm Alicia, the host of the show. I'm happy to be here today to talk about wedding planning, how to de-stress, get all our shit sorted out, make things easier, and answer your wonderful wedding planning questions. I'm going to crack on, get straight into business today because I've got lots to get through and I know that you've got lots to say, so let's just do it. Hey Alicia, this is Alicia in the U.S. I have so many things to update you all on and so many questions. I am in the weeds of wedding planning uh, to give you a recap in case you've forgotten because you've gotten so freaking famous since the last time I contacted you. Oh, please, you gorgeous girl. I wouldn't say that at all, but thank you for acknowledging the popularity of this show. I'm delighted. Now back to it, please. We, my fiance and I were planning um, a wedding back in our home state of like one to 200 people, had some issues with the guest list and our families playing a tug of war game. And so we decided to then cancel the big wedding and we were going to have about a dozen or so people, close family, um, no friends even, also back in our home state. Um, but then we canceled that um, as it's still we still had the tug of war issue with our families and couldn't even pick a freaking city to have the wedding in. So then we decided to cancel all of that yet again and have our wedding out here in our current state where we live, which is more than halfway across the country from all of our um, friends and family. So we're going to have everybody fly out here because we can't worry about making everybody happy. So in the end, we decided to make ourselves happy, which I know that we're only two people in the party or at the party, but um, as far as the planning, I mean, all of the effort and all of the months and the hours leading up to the wedding, it only really affects us. And we were stressing, we were fighting, we were really struggling with planning a wedding, and we weren't excited for our wedding, which is really sad to even say out loud, but it's the truth. So we decided to have it in our home state, and it was like the clouds parted as soon as we made that decision. Uh, we were so relieved and we're so stoked for our wedding now. We also moved it up a year. It was going to be in 2017. Now it's a short four months away. So we have been just cramming in all of these big decisions, all the little decisions and trying to get things done. Just bought my dress this past weekend, which was the last big thing to check off the list. Now I just get to sit back, sip wine and glue shit on the floor of my, of my own home. I can see by the length of this message, Alicia's got more things to say, but I had to butt in and just congratulate you for going through that journey because even hearing, and I know you've been updating me a little bit over the past sort of, I don't know, six months or so when these decisions are happening, but hearing you sort of go through that, and I know people will be in a very similar situation time-wise, be trying to make these decisions, especially when you've got family all over the place. And I just want to reiterate how not selfish it is for you to decide to have your wedding where you live and to not be doing things back and forth, to not be going and making huge decisions that revolve around other people. This is the one time in your life, and not even the one time, there's lots of times when you've got to do the best for you. I think I'm a real believer in that. 
But especially when it comes to your wedding day and the fact that you are, as you said, you're the ones doing all the work, you're organizing, you're paying, you're creating this sort of day. And I think you are well in your rights to do what makes you happy. And I love that you said the clouds parted. You know, when you have that feeling, and this is not just in wedding planning, this is just in life, when you go, I have made the right decision to get that little surge in your tummy, you feel less stressed, the shoulders remove themselves from up near your ears you sort of take that breath and go oh yes why didn't I do this six months ago but then sometimes you've got to go through these planning decisions and go through the highs and lows the roller coasters to actually realize what you really want and I'm so happy that you've come to that conclusion and you're enjoying it you know me I'm all about saying have a nice time don't be dicking around don't be having miserable times don't be letting it all get it you know above you you're better than that. Good. So that's fun. Um, by the way, I just want to interject. So you talked about yourself on the circle um, on one of the podcasts recently. And so then I just like went into this spiral of Google stalking you and watching all of the video clips I could of you um, on the circle and even finding a couple of your stand-up uh, skits. So just wanted to say I had fun with that. Um, so... I'm going to get to two two big questions, but I wanted to give you one serious update. Um, so my MOBO dilemma, that um, that question that stumped you a while back. Um, so with the 200-person wedding back home, I had this issue of my maid of honor um, having this really jerky boyfriend, and she was well aware of the fact that I didn't like him. He had been cheating on her, and um, she just kept taking him back. And I had really issue with inviting him to the wedding. Didn't tell her I had this much of an issue inviting him to the wedding. So I was just kind of soul searching, um, looking for answers and, and opinions. And then when we canceled that and had the small intimate wedding with just 12 people, no friends, that kind of solved that issue. But now here I am again um, in the beginning of planning our wedding here in this local state. Um, I was faced yet again with that decision. But... I'm here to let you all know, fortunately for me, but unfortunately for her, from her perspective, they have since broken up. So I now am back in the boat where I no longer have to worry about that. Well, I want to say I'm sorry for your friend, but I'm also happy for your friend because sometimes you've got to get out of these things to realize they weren't that great. And it's hard as the outsider friend when you're going, I don't think this person's good for you. And I think if you people remember, just as a recap, I put this out. I was really stumped by not letting the friend down, but also not having to say to your friend, um, well, look, we don't really like your boyfriend. We think he's a bit of a dick and we don't like how he treats you and he keeps cheating on you, but you bring him back and we don't really want him at our wedding because he thinks we think he's a piece of shit. So I am happy for you that you don't have to go through that. And I'm happy for your friend that she can move on and hopefully find someone, well, not hopefully, will find someone that respects her and treats her, but treats her properly because that's all you wanted. And I remember this very well. And I remember all the wonderful feedback that came from all the other bride chillers and groom chillers. We had lots of male responses to that question. And uh, that makes me happy to hear. I'm happy. And that actually happened right after that podcast episode where you had actually said, that you were a terrible person for saying this out loud, but hopefully they just break up. Uh, you said it about something else, um, but it was funny enough because that was actually exactly what happened in my scenario. But I just wanted to give that update, um, that riveting update, in case people were wondering out there. 
So the two big questions that I have right now and that relate to where I am in the wedding planning process, the first of which have to deal with RSVPs. So we're doing all electronic RSVPs and 80% of our guest list is out of town. And I'm having this issue where people are RSVPing, like God bless them, but they're RSVPing before making any travel plans. They don't know how they're going to get here, if they're going to fly or if they're going to drive or if they're going to horseback it. They have no idea. They don't know where they're staying. They don't know when they're coming. And they just RSVP. And I totally flipped out um, when the first person did that. It was one of my fiance's high school friends. And I like kind of freaked my fiance out because I totally lost my cool uh, when he did that. Because you can't RSVP if you don't have plans. Oh my God, I I RSVP all the time when I don't have plans. We have a wedding coming up in late June. My beautiful friend, Alicia, she's getting married in the south of France. You're going to probably hear some podcast, uh, not probably, you will definitely hear some broadcasts from there. We've booked our plane tickets, but nothing else. And I did, she's sort of like, hey, Alicia, you booked that accommodation yet? I'm like, I'm just waiting for the next paycheck to come through. So look, I want to say, and we're going to keep playing your message because it's great, Alicia, but I also want to say you can't control everything. I know that the RSVPs, are you're relying on them for your numbers, but also if people say they're coming, then I think we need to just hand over the trust that they're able to book their own travel, get all their own accommodation, make it all happen themselves. I think we also need to step back, breathe, relax, and trust people. They're adults, hopefully. And yeah, okay, some people, and this happens for everyone, some people say they're coming and then something happens. We can't control situations. But I do think if people are RSVP, we need to trust that that's probably what they're going to do. At least that's what it, that's my perspective from it. Um, but he called me down and he was like, hey, they're just excited to be here. If he says they're going to come, they're going to come. Just trust him. So I just want to know if I'm the only crazy person out here who has issue with people RSVPing for a wedding that's 2,000 miles away without actually having made any travel plans. So please let me know if I'm just completely crazy. Never crazy. Never crazy for sort of being sus on things, but I also think we have to just, and I say we, and I'm because I say we, Alicia, because I think there are other people listening that are probably in the same situation of going, oh, I just don't know if they're going to come. This is a big commitment. This is a big ask. But I don't think people are like hitting that RSVP button without thinking about it. And it's really nice. They want to travel to be with you. I love it. But anyway, moving on to my second question, which involves the rehearsal dinner. And we're planning one on Friday. So we're going to go to the venue, do a run through. And then um, a couple of hours later, we're going to have a rehearsal dinner. And because all of our out-of-town guests We'll have traveled so far. We really want to involve them in as much as possible over the weekend. So it's going to be more than just the folks who rehearsed with us. It's going to be everybody from out of town who will be invited. And that's about 50 people. It could be a maximum of 50 people. And so we're running into this scenario where it's like we're planning a second wedding. I mean, our wedding right now could have a maximum of 75 people. So you're pretty much dealing with a similar guest size. And we're like looking at venue space and figuring out catering and music to entertain. And it's like we're budgeting for a whole second wedding and it's ridiculous. So if you have any great ideas or tips or anything to help alleviate this uh, would be great because I'm like suffering from shock here. 
and stressing out because I have to plan a whole nother second wedding basically. The timing of this voicemail is pretty crazy and it just happens that over the weekend, Rich, this is last weekend, Rich and I travelled to Iceland with my cousin Belinda and her fiancé Luke and you were going to be hearing lots from them. I took my microphone, of course, and we <laughs> drove around the beautiful country of Iceland and talked about their wedding. I sat in the back seat with my microphone and interviewed Belinda. Now, Belinda's an Aussie. She lives in Chicago. And it's really interesting because Luke is uh, American and Belinda's lived in the States for nearly, like, was her fifth year. And she has lots of fabulous observations of the difference in culture and customs and traditions when it comes to being Australian especially. And I would put English people in this box as well. Um, that, you know, Americans do do things differently. And over the years of learning and writing and doing this podcast, I've learned a lot about cultures, uh, especially the U.S. frame of mind of doing things. And rehearsal dinners are pretty much only done in the U.S. And we were talking a lot about this for their wedding. They're getting married in Hawaii in November. And Belinda's like, Jesus Christ, this is really expensive and full on to do the rehearsal dinner. Exactly what you just said, that you are basically organizing a whole nother event. Now, I know traditionally uh, it's sort of customary for one of the parents to pick up the tab, but it can be really pricey, especially if you're getting married somewhere that is a big wedding town, a a venue that is uh, out of town and you have to really basically pay to cater this thing. And we were trying to come up with solutions for their situation because they're getting married in Maui. They're getting Mauied, as you will hear Belinda say. And they don't necessarily want to have another big hullabaloo, a big sort of huge event. So we were sort of talking it through and saying, okay, people are traveling in a very similar situation, Alicia, to you. They're traveling from out of town. They're trying to have uh, a couple of different meetups. So it's not just the wedding. They're doing a barbecue um, the next day on the beach. And we sort of came to the conclusion that we would have an intimate family dinner that uh, the parents were going to pay for. And when we say family, the McCormacks, we're not a huge family anyway. And uh, we are, there's not masses of people traveling to the States for this great event. Uh, And then we were going to, perhaps they were thinking of going to a bar, a really nice sort of location and ask people to come along. And then they would either maybe pay for some hors d'oeuvres and snacks and do a cash bar because it's really expensive. Now, I know as a guest, I have no problem in going to a rehearsal event. It doesn't have to be a dinner and paying a couple of bucks for some drinks. This doesn't phase me. Now, you might be thinking in a very traditional sense, well, I expect to be invited to a rehearsal dinner. I expect for someone to pay for my meal and uh, my drinks. Well, I think that's quite old fashioned. And also I feel there's a lot of pressure for couples to be putting on multiple events surrounding a wedding when if they can't afford it, then fuck it, don't do it. Or do it and uh, don't foot the bill for the whole thing. Get creative with the way that you are, you know, organizing it. I don't have a problem with the cash bar. If you are listening to this and you have a massive problem with me suggesting a cash bar for this sort of situation and not doing a sit down meal, I want to hear your response. And this is not me having a go. It's a very strange thing. It's not me having a go here. I'm just saying I think you need to be flexible. And I think we get very stuck in traditions. And some traditions are bullshit. And some traditions are not necessarily realistic when you are having to organize a whole separate event. 
We've thought about hosting at our house, but it's not big enough to have 50 people. We've thought about uh, my fiance's employment, uh, place of employment, which could it be an option. We've thought about my place of employment. We've thought about like outdoor park space, but the Girl Scouts are renting all of our uh, all of the park space that day, and so we're running out of park space to reserve. We thought about restaurants, but 50 people is a lot to have at a restaurant, and then you have all those costs of um, feeding and liquoring um, 50 people from a restaurant, which can be quite cross-prohibitive. So any um, tips or tricks or even shoot a whole freaking podcast on just rehearsal dinner would be great. Just a quick comment. I know I've pretty much just answered the question in my little rant before, but I will say that if you are looking for specific venues I think theatres are really good if they're not being used Friday nights often a night where they're using them but you never know if if you've got a local community theatre some sort of community hall where they will allow you to bring your own alcohol that is sometimes a really good option and they can look great and look fabulous or easily be decorated also I, I think it's hilarious the bloody Girl Scouts have come in and swooped in and taken your venue Colleges are another great idea if you are local to the area. A lot of colleges have space that they are willing to rent out. I'm not even kidding that some libraries have excellent entertaining spaces that they are willing to make money off out of hours. This is not necessarily in the actual library, but I know uh, where I'm from in Tasmania, there was um, there's a cafe space as well that they open it for functions at night, and it's really trendy and cool. Uh, so I think you need to just, I know it sounds like you're getting very creative with your options, but if you are going to do drinks, you could just go to Costco and buy a bunch of booze and say, uh, gonna do, you're going to do hors d'oeuvres. Make it really simple. Don't necessarily do a sit-down situation. Make it more, because you know I think really rehearsal dinners are a, an idea where you can get together, mingle, see people before the wedding, and uh, bring the community, your community together. So it's not necessarily about all having a formal sit-down meal. There it is. I'm originally from Wisconsin. I don't know if I ever told you this. So I think it's hilarious that whenever somebody says they're from Wisconsin, you automatically (laughs) connect them to the county um, where Making a Murderer was based in. And I want to let you know that my fiancé went to high school I'm so nervous as to where this is going. I'm so excited. I'm so nervous. But then I'm also going to tone it down because making a murderer is a real awful murder case. And Rich told me to stop being as excited and interested. It's more about the story. It is. I'm not trying to take the piss. It's very interesting. Alicia, tell me more. Basically around the corner. Okay, not around the corner. That makes it sound scarier than it is. But in like the county over um, from where he's currently being held in prison. So you can't really get much closer than that. (laughs) But we don't live in that county. Um, We're from further south in Wisconsin. But, yeah, he went to school. He went to high school about, I don't know, like 10 or 15 miles away from where he's currently being held in prison. So that's fun. I thought you'd enjoy that. Okay, this is plenty long. Um, I'm going to stop recording now and talking to my computer. I love you, and I am so looking forward to hearing all of the responses to my dilemmas. Okay. Bye. Adorable as always. And I'm so grateful you took the time to talk to yourself at your computer. Love it. Love it. Love it. And thank you for your continued, continued mm, support. And uh, I love hearing from you, Alicia. So thank you. I hope my responses today are helpful. And I think you're doing just great. 
I don't think we tell each other that often enough. You are doing fucking fantastically. You really are. You've solved problems. You have moved things around to suit you. And you. I couldn't congratulate you enough. And I need to go and take a break now and have a drink of water and remember how to speak because I'm clearly having problems with that today. Last week, we were talking about videography and is it worth it? What do you think? And I received a lovely email from listener Katie, who said that uh, she listened to last Friday's quickie and the question was about having a videographer, which she said she never thought she would have wanted until on the day that they got engaged, a company that does the videos happened to be there and they put a video together for her, which she sent me and it's gorgeous. And now she said she absolutely wants one for her wedding. So I, it was really nice to see the video. And look, to me, like I just want to reiterate that I'm all up. If, if video is important to you and watching it back is really what you want, then I think go for it, spend the money. But if it's not something that you think you would ever sort of go around and watch again, or if you aren't really that visually inclined, I think photographs are just as special and amazing. So Kate, I'm, Katie, I'm so happy that you sent that through and thank you for sharing that to me, with me. And uh, it was just really nice to see it. And I love that it changed your perspective that you had the opportunity to work with a videographer on the day and now it's something that you want to use. So that is fabulous. Thank you very much for that. Now, I need to thank some people for some donations. It's uh, not always easy. I'm not the sort of person that is easily, um, how do you put this, asking for help. I'm not great with that and I really struggled with the idea of putting it out there to you guys to say, if you can uh, help me, I can't even say it now. This is problematic. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, I don't really know how to say this without sounding like a complete Debbie Drainer. I have basically got a donations little button that says, if you enjoy the show, hit the button and send me a little token. Thank you. And I just wanted to go back. I don't know. Some of these people I know I might have thanked before. But Jess, my lovely virtual assistant, who is, she rides my ass like there's no tomorrow. And I mean that in a very nice way. She really gets me organized because I work full time as well as doing the show. And sometimes I get a bit overwhelmed because I really want to be able to help each and every one of you personally. And sometimes that's not physically possible. But Jess was like, have you thanked all these people? Because if not you should. So now if I've thanked you already, it's double thanks. I wanted to thank Rachel Arms. She uh, sent me $20. Thank you so much, Rachel. Hannah Pitts sent me $100. Hannah Pitts, you're a fucking legend. And you don't get an extra fuck because of the hundred, but just thank you. That made my day. Courtney Drummond sent me 10 bucks. Amy Jousie or Josie sent me 20 pounds sterling Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lovely Kendra also sent me a donation. Helen Fogg uh, sent me a very kind donation and a lovely note. And when you write with, you know, you write and say why you like the show, it really touches me. And I read them all out to Rich and we have a little hug and we go, look, thank you for lovely listeners for, you know, sort of saying that. I'm, what I'm doing is useful and helpful to you. Okay, enough schmush, but I just want to say thank you and I'm eternally grateful. And Jess is eternally grateful because this is how really I pay Jess. <laughs> it's, you know, so by helping me, you're helping me to pay Jess and helping me to save my sanity in uh, helping other people. So it is basically a cyclic circular circle jerk of love. I've just said circle jerk, so time to move on. 
Hi, Alicia. This is Wendy, leaving you my second voicemail. You so graciously answered my questions um, a while back uh, regarding tips in America, and I am working with my coordinator to figure all that out, so I do appreciate the tips. Um, I didn't answer your, your question that you like to ask people of where I found you. I just I found you on iTunes, and when I right after I got um, engaged last year, I had never listened to a podcast ever. And then uh, somebody told me to listen to Serial. I did, and then I started searching other podcasts, and uh, I think you came up in my recommendations. So um, anyway, so happy that you did. So I am having a um, super unbridechilla moment or a few moments here. Uh, I need some, I, I think maybe more talking off the ledge than anything else, but I've been in a super shitty job situation since November um, when my boss that I had worked for for a long time um, and kind of built my career through um, got let go because the company was kind of downsizing and uh, we merged with another company and they let go um, a lot of the people who were originally with the, the original company and unfortunately my boss was one of them. Um, things changed so drastically for me that I went through a, a, a period of being harassed by my new boss and and I had never experienced anything like that before because I had done, you know, really great work. So anyway, I got a new job. I start on the on Memorial Day, um, so next Monday or Monday the twenty eighth. And my why I'm freaking out a little bit is my insurance is changing to a very specific group of doctors and medical professionals in the town that I live in, in the city that I live in, and I have to use them. And I have a seven and a half year old son and a 13 year old daughter. I have a chronic illness that my doctor personally has been helping me with for the last 10 years. And my son sees a psychologist every week and we end up paying like $18 a week for him to see that through my insurance. I would not be, they would not be able to see these. I wouldn't be able to go to my doctor. He wouldn't be able to see his, um, his doctor with my new insurance. So Ryan, my fiance and I are thinking about in the next week, getting our marriage license and going and getting married so that we can be added to his insurance because his insurance covers that and allows us to choose our own doctors. Um, but now I'm, I'm, I, it's logical and it's the adult decision to make and especially for my son, but I am freaking out because I feel like, why are we spending, you know, $18,000 on a wedding then? I feel in, in December, I, am I being stupid, but I, I'm just attaching so much emotion to the fact that, you know, we'll say our vows to each other in front of all of our friends and then we'll be married. And now we go down and we sign some paperwork and then we'll be married. It seems false. Do we tell people? Do we hide it? I'm, I know it's probably a silly question, but, um, I also know you dig the voicemails and I really wanted to, um, reach out to you. Um, I feel like you're like the you know, the guru of, of weddings and could at least give me some logical advice, um, on how to calm down and get back to my, my chill mode. Um, yeah. So one other little thing I wanted to say, um, I think it is hysterical every time you imitate American women, American girls. And the first time I heard you do it, I was like, that is not how we sound at all. I love Alicia, but she is discrediting how American girls sound. That is ridiculous. And then I heard myself on air and 
that is exactly how we sound. It was hysterical. I was dying laughing. Ryan listened to it and he was like, oh my God, you totally sound like that. So well done. Hilarious. Love you. Thank you for all your help and all you do. Take care and have a good day. Wendy, you don't sound like that. I don't know which accent I'm doing today, but this is the accent. It's more like, is that like a West Coast accent? I don't know. That's actually probably my least best American accent I've ever done on the podcast. Oh my God, you are hilarious. I love doing the accents. I love listening to all your accents, the diversity and the range of accents that I receive on the voicemails. Oh my gosh, delights me. Delights me to no end. And sorry, Wendy, I'm going to go back to your conundrum because it's, you know, great. It's not great, but it's good to talk about. But in Australia, people keep saying, do you guys just all speak the same? And I actually said, you know what? It's hard. Australian accents to a lot of ears just sound like an Australian accent. Whereas, you know, in America, you've got quite distinct areas. And as you get further south, you get the twang. You know, you've got the Boston accent. You you can sort of pick if you have a good ear for it. I'm sure you can pick where people are from. And in Australia, it's not necessarily the same. Although Queensland and WA... I would say I feel like I could sort of pick when people are from north, the north part of Australia, the northern areas, but then sometimes not. So it's always interesting when people ask me about Australian accents and can you just pick where people are from? And really, very rarely can you pick where people are from. And then they're probably from New Zealand and then you look like a fuckhead. Okay, Wendy, I am... I'm so happy you shared this with me and I actually know the answer now because Wendy sent me a message And this is when we were in Iceland. So I couldn't get to recording this until today. And she's actually sent me an update. So I'm going to give you my response had I recorded this when I didn't know the outcome. And then I'm going to report to you as to what Wendy has done. Firstly, I want to say yesterday in yesterday's podcast, Rich and I had a similar question about the idea of getting hitched at the town hall or somewhere Uh, before your big day and does it mean that you have to 